0: jailed former president Jacob Zuma has been dominating the headlines this week. On Sunday, the Correctional Services Department announced that he was eligible for medical parole because of his ill health. Zuma was jailed in early July and was serving a 15-month sentence for contempt of court. The Correctional Services Department has not supplied any details on the exact state of Zuma's health. I'm Catherine Rice, journalist for News24's Multimedia Department, and this is The Story. This week we'll find out what qualifies inmates for medical parole, and if, in the case of Zuma, correctional services did indeed cut corners. You're listening to The Story. It's a podcast by News24. We'll speak to journalists and experts about the week's biggest story. This is what we saw, heard and uncovered this week. We're talking to specialist legal journalist for News24, Karen Morn. Karen, Correctional Services boss Arthur Fraser signed off on Zuma's medical parole, and there's been a lot of criticism about that, particularly because his contract ends on September 25th. How did the decision play out, and more importantly, how should it have played out?
1: Well, in the normal course of events, the National Commissioner of Police relies on the Medical Parole Advisory Board to provide him with input um, on the applications by inmates for medical parole. Now, under the law, there are specific conditions under which medical parole is granted. Someone is terminally ill, they're incapacitated or they're unable to look after themselves, literally in a position where they cannot provide themselves with self care. The Medical Parole Advisory Board uh, sends its own doctor to evaluate the condition of the inmate and then makes a recommendation based on the information put forward by their doctor and their own independent evaluation. Now, in the case of Jacob Zuma, the Medical Parole Advisory Board said that because his condition was stable, quote-unquote, he did not fit within the ambit of individuals who would be eligible for medical parole, and they therefore refused the application bought by his doctors. Arthur Fraser, as National Commissioner of Correctional Services, has the ability to override that decision. Um, And that appears to be what he now admits he has done. And indeed, he has the
0: records to prove that his decision was rational and valid. But is it possible that Zuma's medical parole could be revoked considering he is allegedly in a stable health condition?
1: We know that the Democratic Alliance intends to launch an application to not only access the record of decision that formed the basis of of Fraser's, um, uh, you know, decision to to release uh, Zuma on on medical parole, but it has also indicated that it may well seek a review of that decision. I am extremely interested to see exactly the kind of remedies that the DA will advocate for in that litigation, whether they will simply challenge the legality and rationality of Fraser's decision and the decision-making process that led to it, or whether they will substantively seek for Jacob Zuma to go back into prison given that he's currently still hospitalized and there appears to be ongoing questions about his state
0: of health. What does this mean for Zuma's corruption trial? Can it go ahead as scheduled under these circumstances or has Zuma now effectively dodged the bullet of jail time even if found guilty of other charges? It's too early to say what the
1: implications of the medical parole will be on Jacob Zuma's corruption trial. We know that that trial was postponed on Thursday possibly for him to pursue a special plea application or which he challenges the title of the NPA to prosecute him for corruption, but we know that there are ongoing discussions happening between Zuma's uh, doctors and doctors for the NPA about his fitness to stand trial. His military doctors submitted a report on the 27th of August with regards to that. We don't know if the NPA will accept the report and its recommendations or whether it will insist on that court-ordered examination of Zuma by its own doctors. At this point, the Zuma's uh, lawyers have yet to indicate whether they will seek a substantive uh, postponement of his case because of his uh, ongoing medical condition, which his own doctors have hinted at could result in a postponement or a delay um, of something
0: like six months. Well, thank you so much for your time, Karen. That was Karen Morn, specialist legal journalist from News24, and she will, of course, be bringing us those updates as soon as they develop. We're now joined by Professor Lucas Munting of the University of the Western Capes Dalla Omar Institute. Professor, you, you're an expert in the criminal justice system. Uh, uh, clearly, this isn't the way it's usually done. Not so.
2: The 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 history of of medical parole is is somewhat tainted by controversy, and if we think back to to the 1990s and and uh, up to the mid 2000s, uh, when we had the AIDS pandemic, and Uh, large numbers of prisoners tested positive for HIV and later developed AIDS and and we saw every year how the numbers were climbing of people dying presumably due to AIDS it was often just recorded as natural causes and even then uh, many allegations were made is that uh, The Department was simply taking too long to make decisions uh, regarding medical parole. And uh, perhaps the most controversial case came with the release of Shabir Sheikh. And uh, subsequent to that, the provisions were changed uh, and tightened up. But now again it seems that uh, the medical parole system has been dragged into controversy again and that is not the way to do it if we are to, to build trust and confidence in the decisions made by government, especially with something like medical parole.
0: In terms of of that, we know what happened with Shabir Sheikh, as you mentioned. This time around, what issues does it raise about the integrity of the entire process?
2: It it was an interesting development in in the sense that when the initial announcement was made uh, on the 5th of September by the Department of Correctional Services that Mr. Zuma was released on medical parole, it explained that the commissioner made the decision with reference to section 757A of the Correctional Services Act that provides the national commissioner with the power to release on parole, day parole, or medical parole uh, certain prisoners. Um, and so there's nothing strange in that, but one has to read section 75 7a with section 79 that deals with medical parole as well as the regulations that flow from section 79 and and then the issue becomes uh, a bit more tricky or perhaps not tricky rather there are very specific requirements when a decision on medical parole uh needs to be made and section 79 uh, says medical parole can be granted if the person is in the final stage of of a terminal illness or disease or has become incapacitated they're not able to take care of themselves properly anymore and I don't think any anybody going to have anything to say about that as as a, as a requirement in the abstract. The other two requirements is that the the prisoner must not pose a significant risk for reoffending, and there must be proper uh, care arrangement for the person if they are released. Now, the the decision to release on medical parole. The National Commissioner must make that decision based on a recommendation from a Medical Parole Advisory Board, which is a statutory structure uh, that is established by the Minister of Justice and Correctional Services. And they can function at the regional level and and there's not too, too much complications there. The, the regulations to the Act then goes a bit further uh, and says that the, the Medical Advisory Board must make a recommendation to the National Commissioner um, or the Minister or Parole Board, as the case may be, depending on the type of, of, of prisoner, on the appropriateness to grant uh, medical parole. And and then comes in an important if. If the recommendation of the advisory board is positive, in other words, the advisory boards recommend a release on medical parole, then the national commissioner can consider the other two requirements. Namely, there's uh, the risk of offending and the suitability of post-release care. So what the regulations then say to us in effect is that if the Medical Parole Advisory Board says, no, we are not recommending medical parole, then the process stops there. The National Commissioner then can't go back and change that decision. In, in the way I'm reading the regulations, it's, it places a very clear requirement. It says if the recommendation is positive, Then the national commissioner can consider the other two conditions. It doesn't say the national commissioner can uh, take them, change the recommendation, or it is a factor to be taken into consideration. the The wording of the of the regulations is quite precise in saying is if the recommendation is positive. So, in in my view, then if If the release was on medical parole and the recommendation from the Medical Parole Advisory Board was not for medical parole, then the situation stops there. There's no further decision to be made by the National Commissioner then.
0: Do you think that Parliament, opposition parties and civil society will be able to provide some kind of oversight or is it out of their hands from a legal perspective?
2: there are already civil society actors and political parties that have at least announced if they've not really commenced with uh, legal action to to have this decision reviewed it's an administrative decision so it is reviewable so, no, I, I think we've not seen the last of
0: it. Well, thank you so much for your time. That was Professor Lucas Minting of the University of the Western Capes Dalla Omar Institute. That's all we have time for this week. I'm Catherine Rice, and this week's episode was produced with the help of Amy Gibbings.